Chapter 10 Before I could shut off the water, I was transfixed by the shower curtain. It suddenly possessed a sublime, ineffable quality, like a starry night in the mountains or a sunset on the beach. As I stood in the tub under the warm streaming water, watching the curtain billow and quiver in the circulating air, a feeling of oneness, wonder and well-being grew inside me until I was bursting with it and my eyes filled with tears. I heard voices but not like the ones in the living room. These were inside me, painful voices like I was on bloom. The voices were less painful when I looked at the shower curtain. Most of them were unintelligible but now and then one broke free from the crowd to say something random like, this cantaloupe's overripe, or, don't forget to call Ben. Had I been drugged? I hadn't eaten the meal in a mold, but I had used the shampoo. Could someone have spiked it? Had Warren been in here? Had he found us? Or was this a side effect of the Zadatorian bite? Or maybe the work of the mummers downstairs? According to Kalia, they hunted Mobiacs for our whorls, mining the personalities out of them to wear like clothes. If I was captured, they would feed me bloom until the final remnants of my sanity and self were burned out. I rinsed the suds from my hair as fast as I could and hopped out of the shower. I had to tell Kalia what was happening. Hopefully, she was awake now. I left the bathroom wrapped in just a towel. With the voices in my head and the sudden inexplicable fondness I now harbored for shower curtains, I'd forgotten about hearing a door open earlier. Hey babe, Naomi said, sitting on the couch beside two strangers, a man and a woman. These are my friends Pam and Bruce. Pam had full round cheeks and moved her head around in short sharp jerks like a bird. Bruce had an upturned nose, a hefty midsection and eyes set close together. This didn't look good, me and just a towel, a woman in the bedroom. I can explain, I said, though I wasn't sure she'd believe me even if I could. Besides, maybe she was the one who needed to explain. How had she found me here? Did she track my cell phone? Why did she bring these people? Want some guac? Bruce said, pointing to a bowl of guacamole on the coffee table next to a larger bowl of corn chips. Just made it. How long had I been in the bathroom, admiring the shower curtain? He hates guacamole, Naomi said smiling. He's not that fond of people abbreviating it, either. Bruce laughed. I don't know if I can trust a man who doesn't like guac. You wouldn't be the first one to feel that way, I said, and gave Naomi a look. I'm just lucky I found someone as understanding and compassionate as Naomi. You're so sweet, Naomi said, ignoring the look. Why don't you go get dressed? We'll still be here. And don't worry. I'm not mad at you. We have a lot to talk about. How did you know where I was staying? A friend told me. Most of my friends love this restaurant. Like I said, we have a lot to talk about. Go get dressed. Let's get comfortable. I went to the bedroom, voices still clanging around in my head. I was getting better at tolerating the pain of them. After putting on the second-hand clothes I'd picked up last night, I knelt beside Kalia and gently shook her. Kalia, I whispered. Wake up. She didn't budge. The patrons of this crazy restaurant were all mummers, according to Kalia. Did that make my girlfriend a mummer? Had she poisoned my shampoo? 
were her and her mummer friends preparing to harvest my whorls. What was in the guacamole? A voice inside my head rose above the rest as clear as a bell. Most mummers are decent people, or at least as decent as anyone else, and indistinguishable from the barren population. But the ones addicted to Mobiac personalities live rich and twisted inner lives that rob them of certain normal cognitive functions. For instance, they have difficulty with spatial problems, with things like the best way to fill a grocery bag, or fit a couch through a narrow doorway, or navigate their hometown. They are drawn to menial, repetitive jobs they can perform on autopilot, while the stolen personalities inside their heads play in the background. They are usually the worst, most checked out employees at the vital records office, the DMV, the post office. With the mental deficiencies of addicted mummers in mind, Mobiax devised a test to help identify the addicted from the rest, a test with endless variations that cannot be memorized and passed on. The voice went on to explain how the test worked, and I walked into the living room, armed with this new knowledge. If you threw a hamburger across the room, I said, repeating out loud what the voice was telling me, what would travel the farthest, the patty, the bun, the tomato slice, or the lettuce? What would travel the shortest distance? Please list the ingredients in terms of shortest and longest distance traveled. Naomi laughed. Where did you learn that? Answer my question. I'm sorry, honey. We don't have time for this. One of the major drawbacks of the test, the subject can choose not to participate. Please answer the question. Naomi sighed and rolled her eyes. The patty would go the farthest and next would be a toss-up between the bun and the tomato, depending on the thickness and water content of the tomato slice and how light and fluffy the bun is or how fresh. Because a stale bun or a toasted bun isn't going to go as far as a fresh one. Also, the tomato could stick to the bun. Who knows? But I'm going to say bun, then tomato and last is definitely the lettuce. Are you happy now? That was a perfectly satisfactory answer to a spatial problem, as far as I could tell, and the voice agreed. Naomi wasn't a mummer, or at least not an addicted one. But what about her friends? Naomi pointed to the bedroom. Did she teach you that? Teach me what? I don't think she did, Pam said, speaking for the first time. That's an old detection method that fell out of favor a few decades ago. I think he's already been prepped. Prepped for what? I said, and caught Naomi's eyes. What's going on, babe? What aren't you telling me? She gave me her most doleful look, swallowed her lips, and shook her head. I'm sorry, baby, but this is the only way to save you. This is how it has to be. How what has to be? Good cheese begins with a quality milk supply. She spoke the words out loud, but they played in my head louder, reverberating to the core of my identity, drowning out the voices, adjusting in a split second how I felt about my memories and the story I told myself about myself. Like a siren setting off a neighborhood of howling dogs, thoughts about cheese echoed through everything I held to be true. A fine curd makes for a hard cheese, somehow explained perfectly a falling out I had with my best friend in middle school. The smellier cheeses were invented by monks was an uncanny way of understanding the origin of my positive disposition. And the analogies went on and on, attaching to every memory, pointing to one conclusion, Naomi was my soulmate. 
Then I felt something cold on the back of my neck, and the howling thoughts of cheese died away, and the voices came back, almost comforting, though still painful. Kalia stood beside me. Awake. The cases of totems and otolith cackles sat at her feet. She dropped an empty vial on the floor, then pulled a knife from her pocket and flicked the blade out. With her other hand she pulled out the bottle of otolith scent for warding off mummers. Scowling at Naomi, Kalia said, If you say another word about cheese, I'll kill you. Naomi rolled her eyes. Oh please. I don't have to say anything. I can have the whole restaurant up here with just a thought. And that O you gave him will wear off eventually. This woman was my girlfriend. I thought we were in love. But she'd implanted something in my mind, like a lens that could suddenly, with a snap of her fingers, color all of my experience. But why? Now I was scowling. Are you the memorist? Naomi's eyes softened when they turned to me. No. The memorist hired me to mess with your mind. But I fell in love with you instead. You're so sweet, and I'm so so sorry I didn't tell you. She pointed at Kalia. This woman can't save you from the memorist. I can. I know it will be hard for you to trust me, but I'm the only one who can give you another life where the memorist will never be able to find you. We can spend that life together. Kalia held out the bottle of otolith scent and pressed on the lid, spritzing the space in front of us. Light reflected off the cloud of droplets as it expanded and slowly descended to the carpet. Naomi pet Bruce's back. It's okay, she said. It's just a smell. It's not real. Bruce and Pam swiveled their heads around, eyes darting about the room, bodies tense as if something were about to leap out of the walls and attack them. The scent was working on them. They were clearly mummers. But Naomi seemed unaffected. What was she? Kalia stomped and clapped and yelled, Get! Bruce and Pam flinched, jumped and ran out of the apartment. As their heavy footfalls sounded in the hall, Kalia turned to me. Let's go. But when I moved to follow her, another voice spoke above the rest, Don't forget the shower curtain. Wait, I told Kalia and ran to the bathroom. The majesty and wonder produced by that simple household item had not diminished in our time apart. As I fumbled with the hooks, I resisted the urge to stop everything and just step back and admire the beauty. What are you doing? Kalia called to me. That was a good question. I didn't really know. I was following the voices in my head. It felt right. The voices seemed to be a part of me and separate at the same time, familiar and strange, like grandparents I'd never met, unlike the assault of cheese-flavored thought which had been completely foreign. These voices were warm and wanted to help. After folding the curtain under my arm, I grabbed the shampoo, figuring it was spiked with bloom or some other cackle thing that might be valuable. When Kalia saw what I was carrying, she gave me a double take. You ready now? I nodded. You sure? I think there are some nice towels in there. You want to take those too. See how she demeans you. Naomi said. Kalia pointed the knife at her. Shut up and stay out of his head. Naomi didn't move as we passed her on the way out. 
I wanted to say something to her, but everything that ran through my mind seemed trite and childish. I was angry, but I couldn't even look at her and deliver a vitriolic and emphatic goodbye. I was too afraid that just one glance might send me back down that rabbit hole of cheese. We exited through the restaurant, which had been abandoned, coats still on the backs of chairs, mounds of jello left behind with gashes carved out of them, their incongruous insides having spilled onto the plate like regolith from a landslide. The owner stood in the middle of the dining area. He said, they all just ran out like there was a fire. Never saw anything like it. After loading the cases in the trunk, Kalia told me to drive. Where? I asked. Just go south for now. There was rain, heavy rain, and the night was cold. I turned the heater and windshield wipers as high as they would go. Visibility was poor, so I drove slowly. What did Naomi do to my head? I said. I couldn't stop thinking about cheese. It was crazy. Kalia rubbed her eyes. She's a Wanda. It's another cackle species, like us but different. Our cackle spreads when we're in pain. Theirs spreads when they're in love. And they're in love all the time. Most are bisexual polygamists, and they all live hundreds of years, collecting husbands and wives wherever they go. They manipulate people with metaphor spells, like the one she used on you about cheese. They also use these spells to isolate the cackle of their lovers and transfer it into mummers. This way they don't have to watch their husbands and wives die all the time. They keep a harem of mummers. When a mummer gets old, a Wanda will just change it out like a bald tire. If I hadn't woken up when I did, your body would be dead, and you'd be in Naomi's harem now, your mind inside one of those mummers she brought with her. So that's what she meant by saving me? I guess. What I'd once thought were Naomi's strange quirks, I now saw as missed warning signs. Her pet names for me were always a type of cheese. She named my moods after cheeses, even my body parts. That should have set off alarm bells, but that was the power of her magic, I supposed. No matter how bizarre her behavior was, I never thought twice about it. Her dirty talk was often cow-themed, for example. Once we spent a day touring the Loletta Cheese Factory, then made love in the parking lot after. Another time, she forced me to watch several documentaries about cheese and dairies, then kept me up late that night talking about them in great detail, even coaxing me to take a short quiz on what we'd learned. Why did the memorist hire Naomi to mess with my mind? I said. Because she wanted you to immediately corrupt every whorl you enter with that ridiculous cow that Naomi implanted in your mind with her weird Wanda ways. The faster you corrupt a whorl, the easier it is for that Rakulak to enter and infect you. And if there's one thing we know about the Memorist and her crew, it's that they want you infected by a Rakulak. Kalia pointed a thumb to the back seat, where I'd placed the shower curtain and shampoo. Now what's with the souvenirs? I told her about the sudden sublime quality of the shower curtain, how I thought the shampoo was spiked with bloom, and of the voices in my head which were still whispering now, although none had stabbed out in a while. Kalia reached behind her, retrieved the shampoo, unscrewed the lid, and sniffed the opening. You were right. This is bloom. Maybe someday I'll teach you how to smell cackle potions, not like a halamite, but as good as we can do. Do you think Naomi poisoned that? I doubt it, although it worked in her favor. 
she would have had to douse you eventually to get your cackle over into one of her mummers. But this was probably the doing of a customer at the restaurant who saw us come in last night. It's a pretty common tactic for mummers, spike everything in a Mobiac's home, then wait outside to enjoy all the cackle that comes pouring out. Actually, what could have been a complete disaster turned into a lucky break. You can glean the ghost. The way you describe your ancestor voices, how they seem to be helpful, not everyone has that. Your ancestors brought that shower curtain to your attention for a reason. It's a totem that leads to a whorl that can help you. Now how much it can help, we won't know until you enter. She pointed to a grocery store ahead. Pull in here. We need supplies. Once inside the store, Kalia's mood and demeanor transformed. In the car she'd been a little dour, with a slumped posture and monotone delivery. But here, as I followed her around with the shopping cart she bounced down the aisles with a smile on her face, snatching items from the shelves and tossing them back into the cart, ho-hos, chips, toffee, peanuts. There seemed to be a kind of manic desperation behind it all that disturbed me, that reminded me of something I'd heard about suicidal people. Once they decided to take their own life, they seemed less depressed, even happy to their unsuspecting loved ones. Are you okay? I said when we reached the bakery section. Great, Kalia said smiling. I mean, considering the circumstances. Do you like pie? I love it. What's your favorite? Apple. Mine's lemon meringue. Mine too. No kidding? She put a lemon meringue pie in the cart, then stacked an apple and blackberry on top of it. Might as well have choices. While pushing the cart around, I couldn't help noticing the circular white band around the bite on my arm. It had widened. In the deli, as we waited for the clerk to bag up some fried chicken and potato wedges, I held up the bite for Kalia to see. Did you see what happened during our escape? It's getting worse. I saw. That was brave of you. Ignorant but brave. Is it that bad? Zatatorian bites are fatal if left untreated. The cure is Zatatorian milk, which is impossible to take by force. If you want it, you have to somehow coax them to volunteer it. But don't worry. I know a couple people who can get some. We'll pick some up tonight, or tomorrow at the latest. What if something happens and we can't? Kalia slapped a hand on my shoulder. Then we'll pick it up the next day. We got a week before things start getting serious. Don't worry. The clerk handed the steaming bags of fried food over to Kalia, then we moved on to the candy aisle, where she plucked her favorites from the shelf while we debated the merit of Twizzlers, she was for, I was against. When she dumped the store's entire supply of peeps in the cart, I was unable to hide my disgust. You like peeps? No, she said, and walked away before I could ask the obvious follow-up. Next, we stopped at a display of cheap sweatshirts, and Kalia grabbed every last one of them too, piling them into a mound that rose above the sides of the cart. Why? I said. You'll see. After packing the trunk and backseat of the rental car with junk food and sweatshirts, we got back on the road. As I drove, Kalia tore into the sour gummy bears. In between bears she brought up the subject I'd been hesitant to. When I woke up, I was surprised to find I still had the whorls from my lifetime.
Then I realized Lou must have told you what was happening to me. When I saw the missing vials in the case, I was sure. In my periphery, I saw her put down the bag of gummies and stare at me. We won't be able to replace those vials by tomorrow morning. We're stuck with each other until one of us dies. I know you had a choice, and I want you to know that your sacrifice means everything to me. Thank you for what you did. I'm honored to be your bond. You're welcome, I said, a sinking feeling in my gut. I was stuck now, stuck in a world with supernatural parasites, cheese spells, and poisonous tapeworm arms. After a while, Kalia directed me to turn onto the road to Shively, a town just on the other side of the Eel River. When the water was low, there was a summer bridge to it. But in the winter months, this long winding road through the hills was the only way in or out. We parked in a turnout surrounded by trees. Kalia rummaged around in the back seat, pulled out two packages of peeps and handed me one. Throw these in the trees. Try to get them as high as you can. I gave her a flat stare which made her smile and say, Oh, you require an explanation? Yes. There's a Mobiac monk who lives by himself somewhere out here. He scorns everything about society except one thing, peeps. He loves peeps. And he's a halamite, so if we throw them in the trees, he'll be able to smell them from a long way off, even in the rain. And if someone hasn't already gotten him his Christmas peeps, he'll come running. Peeps are seasonal, you know. I'm aware. It's a long shot because I'm not the only one who knows about him, but if he does come, he can get us some Zadatorian milk. And if he doesn't, I know someone else who can get it for sure. But I'd rather get it from the monk. So we both went out in the rain and threw peeps at trees. They didn't fly very far, but I managed to get a few stuck in some low branches. The higher they were, the better chances the monk would be able to detect the scent from far off, according to Kalia. When she was satisfied with our work, we got back in the car. Now we wait, Kalia said. 